1: Yeah, I don't, I, I've gone completely cold turkey. I haven't even heard the British entry. Um, I have literally, uh, well, I've, I've read a bit of news about it just because it's, it's been front and centre with some issues with lots of the COVID situation and with some people winning and losing overall. But um, yeah, I, I am looking forward to it. I shall, I shall sit down um, and have to work out whether any of these songs are any good in the first hearing. And on the whole, most of them aren't. So I'll probably be judging on who's got the best pyrotechnics. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, obviously. Problem is, it, 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 this is the big problem though, John, is you start, if the first song is like quite good, where do you go? Do you start at eight or do you start at seven? You know, you, 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 that initial pitching of the first song is a, is, is a major problem, you know. It's, it's, it's like working out you know, whether to bring a car in under code 60 or not. It's so important to get it right the first time.
2: I think that grading on the curve thing is very, very difficult and I agree with you. I, t- I
1: tend to make notes about the songs
2: and- and uh, to remind me of what song they reminded me about, you know, oh, it sounds a bit like Coldplay or, you know, Film <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And then I can go back to that, you know, slightly sadder Adele, you know, whatever. And then I can yeah. go back to it. And if there's one standout, that, that hits me right between the eyes, like Iceland did last year, which of course won in our Eurovision world in the, in the Damon, uh Deerman Vision Song Contest. You won Damon Song Contest. There, uh, then that one then becomes a 12. That becomes my 12-point, and I work, I work backwards from there. So anyway, let's talk more. Seems very fair. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, four and a quarter hours still to go. Spits care a hairpin. 1 8 is the purple and black Audi, which was One dying, way around very it. very high down here inside. I don't think that is the normal racing line, if I'm very honest, And down in that part of the circuit. Where are they running at the moment here? So, oh, they're leading the TCR It's Stefan Perrin behind the wheel. That is unusual, actually. That it is uh, very unusual that Stefan makes the, an issue in the stadium section. has being caught at of moment by the Triple Red Cabin Jordan 10L GTX Porsche. They had problems earlier in the week, weren't sure that that car was going to make the race.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they've only just had the car, of course. It's, um, they've managed it a couple of days ago. It's the newest type. They're effectively doing a racing shakedown. And of course, we've seen them already stop earlier to tire pressure adjustments for, for Rick and uh, as they, they just turn the laps. Now, they've got a pretty good chance of winning their class. I think they're about the only car in their class, aren't they, in the top of Nine. Well, I know are
2: still ahead of them in the KTM cross court, uh, Ah. The Michelin, you are right. So they're sitting second at the moment and only by two seconds because the 911 racing Ralph Irma driven Porsche. That is a, a GT3 Cup MR, MR standing for Manti Racing. Um, now the GT3 Cup car that Red Camel have got is listed as a 992. That would be a brand new Cup car. And for one of those to have escaped Carrera Cup. Uh, ...captivity would be quite impressive. <laughs> for most certainly is. On that. But they yeah. are very quick cars. Very quick. Uh, as in GT3 quick cars. Uh, from Porsche with the new body shape. Unlike the road cars, which have 20-inch wheels at the front and 21s at the back, the race cars have held their 18-inch diameter uh, rims. So we'll have a quick look at that. You'll be able to tell if it's got the swan-neck rear uh, aerofoil.
1: No, because it certainly had the uh, the new rear lights set up. So that was the first thing I noticed. It's got the uh, kind of the uh, the old Silod look to the rear end from the original Battlestar Galactica, not the later Battlestar Galactica. Point
2: Excellent. out. I see where you went there. <laughs> well, we're getting all of the cultural uh, <laughs> references in early. Absolutely. In, uh, in this area.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, as we go back to nine again. I mean, it, it, its best lap time, John, is about three seconds off the ultimate pace of the pure GT3 car. But we've no idea what, what you know, in what tune it is, and whether also, but it's an SPX is actually running a little bit, you know, down from where it could be. Because obviously, even you know, being part of the organising team, is going to be absolutely uh, fair as they can be about getting this balance, properly Then
2: Herbert Motorsport in the pit lane, not in a Porsche. Jürgen Haring with the Ferrari GT3. This is a 2019 spec car. I know it's almost sacrilege to say that Herbeth have uh, anything other than a Porsche, but of course we've seen them uh, running at Le Mans with uh, Ferrari. Brain,
1: so yes, yes, as Chey Adam pointed out, I oh, don't well, my brain fades during the weekend. Uh, that was the reason we, we, they couldn't get any of the new uh, Porsche 911 RSR for the GTE and even they got an entry. So they um, decided to, uh, to, to go with the with Ferrari. Oh, they got got iRacing sponsorship. That's interesting. I mean, that, is that, is that so when they get hit, they get damaged, just get 4X and they carry on?
2: Well, I think they've got two quick repairs as well. Uh, that's well, Nick Damon. I'm John Heindorf, the third voice uh, that you'll hear. Bar 02 commentators as that car, I think, is going at the pit, And he's down there watching at the moment. Ben Constant-Juris in the afternoon sunshine in Germany. Afternoon, Ben.
3: Yeah, John, it has warmed up slightly. It's uh, quite a nice afternoon after being a chilly morning. Um, The sun is out at the moment and the the sky is blue. Uh, It is not looking so happy, though, for uh, Herbert Motorsport here, a team that we never really see with reliability issues, but we never really see with a Ferrari. They have raced once, apparently, uh, in the 24-H series in Spa in a Ferrari uh, a few years ago. Uh, Wheels have come off this car. They have changed the driver, um, but... The, there is an issue with the engine so that is being pushed uh, into the garage which is a big shame it was very much out of sync coming into the pits anyway and came in slowly uh, so we'll keep a good eye on what they are trying to, to discover on the rear end it, it, they seem to have been able to see the issue through the rear wheel arch uh, rather than looking from above so whatever it is uh, we'll keep an eye on that the garage is very small so we're not going to get our camera in there I'm afraid just next door as you probably can see uh, from my cameraman Seb uh, good work from MRS uh, they have replaced all the bits that uh, they've taken all the bits off that wow. were broken um, the steering rack wasn't even damaged would you believe uh, so things are going back on I reckon we'll see that car before the end of the day
2: I think there's a rear brake issue on that uh, Ferrari 488 2019 Evo maybe a hub Issue. That's where they're working on the right rear, excuse me, um, with a mechanic right underneath there with what looked to be some kind of adjustable spanner. There is a mobile phone now, but the the lamp is not being used. The little light on the mobile phone not being used there. Um, Yeah, they've got some kind of tool in there and and a light as well to have a look. But that does not look good. Although, it, it, now they've gone to work, so maybe they have uh, identified, Nick, what is is the problem there on that um, right rear hub area.
1: Yeah, it's hub or drive shaft, I think. Uh, I noticed they took the uh, the rear cover off as well, and Spencer, so they're looking through. So, it's probably, and it, obviously we're, at a, lot, we're at a huge distance um, away from the uh, pit lane. It's, it's difficult to tell, so my, my guess is that they... Uh, the driver reported it wasn't feeling right, which is never quite quite good. They probably waggled the wheel and worked out it's not a suspension pickup. So they're now looking at the driveline elements and, as you say quite rightly, potentially a dragging brake or a hub issue. But it's not a very lucky pit, that one, is it? Because, because the other half of it next door is the, other, is the Porsche. So it's, a, <laughs> it's the MRS, it's a, yeah. It's a cursed pit. But yeah. So basically they've got half of half an F1 pit each. So um, they have a quarter of
2: the space. Well, F1 cars are very wide now
1: they are wider than a London bus many of them yes but uh, yeah you, you get two pictures. two
2: metres actually the same same width as an LMP uh, one car grew to uh, Ben's got some more for us Ben uh,
3: they have the, the garage space that a Formula 1 car would usually have um, and if you were a smaller team you would only have two of these garages uh, so yeah it's not too bad finish for the two of no gears no gears there we go. So uh-huh. they can see it. somehow they can see something through the wheel arch, uh, but no gears and the the arms crossed suggest that is game over for at least for the moment. But the driver is in the car, so I, I don't think it's fully game over. But um, the driver that's been installed could be waiting a while.
2: I, I think Joe made a good point earlier on uh, both Ben and Nick that you know there are various, but we've been talking about this a lot recently came up with Johnny Mollum on Midweek Motorsport what a week past Wednesday uh, and uh, we'll uh, we've been talking about a lot about different goals in motorsport and particularly uh, uh, this kind of series where you've got so many people Nick who are there to enjoy themselves for whom the 24 hour series yeah okay you want to win your class you want to do well you want to put good laps in but ultimately you're out there to have fun and um, there's an awful lot of people here who aren't. This is not a career-driving move. They're spending their own money. They want to have fun. So if that car can be fixed, uh, and I'll put Jürgen Herring in, in in with that, he'll you know he'll want to get that car back out and turn some more laps on this famous Formula One track, and and that's a lovely thing
1: to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, there are very few professionals uh, in this uh, event, and those that are are on the whole the the, the fast, hot shoe for the individual car so effectively everyone else is there to enjoy racing as much as they can and obviously you enjoy it more you a chance of winning but it's still quite fun driving a powerful car around the racer um, and, you, and you're there anyway so you may as well carry on I don't think they're too worried about the mileage on the engine wheel. and they've already got the tyres on the rims, so go for it and get the car up
2: let's go back to Ben who can add a little to this with just on 4 hours and 7 minutes to go today
3: so that was, uh, it's a drive shaft issue. It's not a gearbox issue. Uh, so that's how they're able to identify it in the wheel arch. Uh, you're probably watching a driver change uh, and a new set of boots for our leader, the 18 Audi. Uh, driver finally out and it is going to be Pierre Gaffer, uh, who is going to get his first sit, uh, in the car. It's taking him a long time though to get in. All the tyres have been fitted and Pierre's hardly into the car yet. So he should be a bit more adept with Ella Earhart helping him uh, to get the belts on quickly and get himself down to the fuel bay, but uh, it's just a bit out of sequence as well, I believe, on where everybody else is. We'll see if uh, the rest of the GT3 categories come in soon enough, but it doesn't seem to be quite the timing that we didn't usually expect.
1: Yeah, I think what it was, John, they actually put Michael Dockermay into yeah. the car um, during the last code So they're, they're obviously burning some of Michael's um, AM time, uh, perhaps he's they didn't fuel him either when they when they put him into the car, so perhaps he's now, he's now run down the field. Tell them the last code 60 has been, it's been about 30 minutes, about 35 minutes. So I, that's I that. so, I think that's just I can tell you that. So, I think that's uh, yes,
2: when you say run out of fuel, you don't mean physically no. stopped on the on the track. Um, we've had 19. Um, 19 when did we come out of that ended at uh, 28 minutes past the hour so yeah we've had half an hour near enough
1: yeah. so yeah so, so, so my guess is that that's just running down the tank and they've also you know used that time of uh, and yeah so they're already trying to they realize they're in a, in a fight a very close fight at the top they realize they've got a chance they're already starting to creatively use their least quick driver's time and try and have him driving on the code 60 if possible um, and that the fuel come out, and now they're going to make another run through the pit. But they are fueling up all the way which is what they can do to run the green flag conditions, and uh, allow uh, the very famous Pierre Caffer to show what he can do in the Audi,
2: who I still think of, of course, as a is a young man, uh, but of course Stop he's that. one of the elder statesmen now in any paddock no. that he goes into. I'm, I remember having that discussion with him several years ago now at Cota when we were there for the. Um, American uh, IMSA series and we were having a good laugh about it, always been a very thoughtful driver and as he's got older and more mature, that has not changed at all, if anything he's been able to uh, add to his experience and quite clearly now he's very good at mentoring other drivers as they come through, he's seen it great to see that we keep that experience and that passion and that emotion in the paddock. Uh, very, very cheeky sense of humour has Mr. Caffer. Like him a lot. Good bloke. Good to see problems. him still here. Go ahead, right, mate. You've,
1: you've been doing this as long as we have. You, know, you you end up with people you've met, you still think as cheeky young chappies when they've actually sort of retired. Like I remember, I'm going to chat to one of Gavin. And he was right at the beginning of his career in, in a temporary lull driving the F1 safety car. He's now had a complete career in 25 years following that. But I still think him a young man.
2: Yes, well, Joe Bradley and I were talking about this not so very... Well, I say not so very long ago, but already it probably is. When Mark Webber retired, we saw Mark Webber's first Formula Ford race when he came over to the UK. And Joe was interviewing him regularly. It was on the British steering car package back in those days. And so I reckon I saw his first big race. Obviously, he'd been racing before he came to the UK but I certainly saw that first race that he had and I was there at his last race so I had you know bracketed his career there was a bit of Formula One in between that I didn't get to see too much off trackside but we managed to interview him at both his first and his last ever career race and then you think oh goodness (laughs) so let's uh, have a wee look at what's going on as CAF has rejoined then Round about 40, 42 laps for the GT3 cars on a full green flag run. Um, if such a thing is going to exist in the next four hours and ten minutes. We're coming to the end of a racing hour, so I'll give you a quick rundown of how it stands right now. Leiput Motorsport with Brendan Leach leads in the Uracan. That's the number 10 car. And they are about 18 seconds ahead of their Hegeli by T2 Racing Porsche, that's the 66, Peter De Curtins has 8 seconds on Matis Vibor in the 488 Middle Cup Racing with Scuderia, Praha Ferrari and that uh, car is the 11, then it's CP Racing, another minute and 10 seconds or so behind, Charles Putman is behind the wheel of the CP Racing car, that's pretty good. Rider right Engineering's GTX KTM Crossboys that very pretty 724 in the multi-tone blue uh, with uh, Nikolai Elganyan and that leads the GTX category in fifth position two minutes behind the leader so actually that's off the lead lap then isn't it. Car collection Motorsport Pierre-Yves Pack in the Audi, number 88 is in sixth. Seventh is the Rutronic Racing. Pierre Kefakar just rejoined after its third pit stop, and it's, that's the first of the top runners to take its third stop. Everyone else will have to make their accompanying stops uh, soon. Second in GTX, is ninth overall, the 999 of Ivo Proikas in the Porsche 911. It's Red Camel, Jordan.nl. Elf Racing, Ralph Ohm for Porsche. In the MR 911 GT3 Cup. So that'll be a 991 car, that one. He's 15 seconds further back. So not sure why that one's running in the GTX category. Uh, I wonder if it's because it's got the MR body kit on it. Uh, and that will be why I'm guessing it's a, nine, it's a Gen 2 991. Uh, and rounding up the top 10 Gustav Edelhoff for GT3 7th place 34 car collection at Motorsport Audi if we look down in the TC touring car categories TCR uh, led its 17th position overall by AC Motorsport Stefan Perrin despite him locking up his cooked tyres uh, a little while ago in the Audi RS3 LMS with DSG box not the sequential box uh, they've got A decent lead there from Autorama's second car, the 112, Rhys Lloyd, in the Volkswagen Golf. In TCX, Jean-Francois Bruno is in the G55, CWS, Colin White's car, they're running in 20th position overall. Uh, I haven't mentioned GT4 which is Samantha Tan behind the wheel of the BMW, GT4 with her name over the door, it's T-Racing, they're in 18th position and in the 991 category Nikolai Sergio leads for Vili Motorsport by EB Motors ahead of Baz Kooten by 13 seconds 9.55 from 9.25 in their 11th and 12th overall I think that's all our class leaders, yes it is just for the sake of Fullness, Mikov Racing, second in TCX Autorama Motorsport in that uh, venerable Sir Leon Cup V1, Uh, with Dario Stanko at the wheel is third in TCX. That's how it stands as we go through another racing hour or another half hour at least. What we've got now is four hours to go because we're doing six and a half today, so that's two and a half hours of the race completed today with another five and a half starting off tomorrow afternoon. We will have coverage of the second supercar challenge by Hanguk. Nick and I on duty for that tomorrow at, uh, into the afternoon Central European time just before noon
1: in the UK. Looking at the uh, the blue and silver Scuderia Paraha Ferrari, our course, this car, the number 11, and Scuderia Paraha have been all over the Creventic series, but we were used to it being in red and having Matteo Malucelli and Yuri Pizziak in it. But uh, this year, obviously under new sponsorship and new uh, drivers, still with similar results, uh, but they've trained Josef Kral. Of course, it's kind of, a, kind of a, I remember Josef. Um, I think he either won did particularly well in Formula BMW on the touring car. Uh, programme about 2005-2006 and he we went through all the same procedures and kind of got a bit lost. He's come back with some successful GT3, driving for the pro heart and that team, you know, looking to continue the success of the red version of the machine who uh, without the Teo Meocelli, it's probably a little bit slower but more likely to come back in one piece, John.
2: Bas Kooten Racing coming in Marcel Fanpelo bringing that car in from the 992 category. Marcel Staying aboard that car, it's running in second position. The NKPP racing by Baz Kooten third place car. Harry Hilda's in there. In fact, as I say that, of course, Marcel has now immediately, as I said, he was staying in, he got out of the car. (laughs) Must be getting a bit warmer down there, whatever Ben says, because they've got cooling fans on the front of that uh, Porsche. 911 11 cook car. It's another one the of the Gen
1: out, 2. Yeah. The sun's out, John. It's definitely getting warmer. It's, you know, it goes without saying. It's probably, it probably Ben's actually you know, in the shady parts of the pits and shivering. He's got a big coat on. Um, Has he got his but, nice uh,
2: cashmere muffler on as well?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, so He'll be looking like, like, like a Dr. Zhivago, like a Judy Christie's pretty soon. All wrapped up. I'm back in the 60s now. I've just been so watching later. go on go ahead no, I'll, do, I'll just be looking look at some of the cars and uh, yeah we talk about the, the, the tie-in between um, full-size racing and, and the virtual world. I and mean, in fact I didn't comment the last two of these events of the week because I was doing VCO Grand Slam events with, with you and the rest of the team but there is course of course a tie-in here and all the cars are carrying either VCO or iRacing sponsorship stickers on them as well as there's a, there's a big banner uh, as you go round uh, the middle Eins curve as well um of course there's the a very now uh, very close relationship between preventing and vco and and I because of course there was a, a t- two series with Preventic, one which is kind of a semi-pro professional series and there is the open to everyone which we are doing a 12 hours uh, Preventic 12 hours of, of uh Nürbur- of nervous Nürbur- over hoggenheim ourselves joining in a couple of weeks time There's a, a, a direct time between this event and the virtual event in, in a couple of weeks to, in a couple of weeks from preventing so they really are embracing the uh, the virtual world, but probably helps that we and Luke workers are both really, really good. But yeah, after last year, we did some great races with the British uh, Limited team and my teammates, including Ben and and Joe. Um, now it's been open to everybody after being a, a single split event. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's been really great since all the time.
2: Yeah, it, it's testament, I think, to the professionalism that we've seen down through the years from Creventic, which have brought uh, a new level of care, attention, possibly might, one might even say passion but certainly professionalism into this style of racing whereas, you know, Krevennik was born of the fact that the two founders got bored of their races getting shuffled further and further down on the uh, on the schedules when things went wrong and thought, you know, we could do better than this ourselves, couldn't we? and yes they, they could and they have and they have done and they've done it for quite some time uh, to the point where I mean we were talking about some of the innovation that's come out of out of Holland and Supercars Supercar Challenge as is now and Creventic things they were doing electronic sign-ons and fast track sign-ons long before the current set of circumstances and mm. Everything is beautifully organised. We've all seen it, Nick, when we've been around from both sides of the fence, in my case, whether it's the Dubai 24 and, you know, 90-plus entries we've had for that, and every team, as soon as they turn up, they're handed a cardboard box with everything in it that they need, all the all of the passes. If they've got food, tickets that they need, it's all there. And from on the driving side, I've been there with my race kit, my helmet, my hands device and signing in and I think it was Luke Breiters actually who was checking my stuff off. <laughs> it's very much a family atmosphere but it's done in such a way to make it easier for you to compete and the competitors are actually the number one priority here, they're not the afterthought that sometimes you find turning up to a race circuit um, and I don't do enough racing haven't done any for quite a while, but sometimes you do feel that it's like, oh, really, sorry, am I putting you out by coming here <laughs> and, and paying my entry fee and, you know, getting somebody to bring a car for me and all that sort of stuff. You never feel like that at Creventic, and, and I think that's really important. You know, we've seen even, I think it's a testament that we've seen even major manufacturers debuting cars here uh, in this, this series because of the fact they know the level of professionalism and the safety standards and race direction is so high it's right up on a par with the very best of pro full pro series and yet it still manages to have that personal touch for the non-pro the gentleman the hobby driver and i don't say that in any way detrimentally to the people who are driving here but you get made to feel very special indeed as a driver, when you come to a preventing yeah, event, I and think, I think that's been part he, of their success.
1: Yeah, I think they've, they've, they've worked out a way now to, to activate the racing base not including us as fans, us as virtual racers. I can tell you something. Nothing. Yeah, I think there were, they had about 600 and 600 700 teams enter the the last virtual race they did. And I guarantee, of those 600 700 teams, most of them had no idea who preventing were until they entered that. But they now they'll now know and now be looking out for it. Um, yeah. But I think the other thing I'd say, I'd love to see kind of a, you know, the, the history of Preventic. Of, of Preventic started with a bang. I think, yeah, I think, I, 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 think I, I think they lost their way a bit for a couple of years. I think they they tried to over-expand, and yes. but in many ways, I think if anyone can be given I don't know, pat on the back's the right word, a it for how they've handled reintroducing motor racing following the pandemic, you couldn't. Really go any further than Graventye? because a small organisation, got on the first proper race, motor race coming out of the problems last year in Portugal, which now. was a 24-hour race in Portobello <laughs> and and they've continued. And, and I think it's interesting because if you look at the entries they've had for these these European races so far, every single time we've gone, nah, it's not going to happen. They'll never get anyone, and they've had really good numbers considering. You know, 30 people yep. in germany with the whole of europe in a, you know, only beginning to get not bad now but certainly when you were thinking you're doing this was in a terrible state um you think that's, that's, a, that's quite a remarkable performance they are effectively they are attracting effectively probably everyone who could possibly doing is, is coming over and, and right. enjoying it and and i think it's that's what i really think is, is a testament how they've managed to get these races on they've managed to get decent Field and you know when they put the first one on the field wasn't great and I'm sure they, I'm sure they best broke even but lost money no thought of not putting it on they went they carried on no. the 24 hours with 15 cars and that's really admirable from, from Gary and the team and I'm hoping that they get they get and I'm sure they will be but they'll be massively paid with huge interest in Portman Barcelona because I think that, that that's what yeah. they'll get and people I, are seeing this
2: work I I think that you know proving the concept that. Pandemic motor racing could happen with very strict protocols in the pit lane, including um, penalties for those not um, not keeping uh, those protocols. Was, was great, and I think that was really brave of them to do. I think what you were saying about you know what happened a few years ago, um, our responsible adult often says that um, that overplayed strengths can be. Um, a problem sometimes and the best thing about Crevending is they listen to the paddock and therefore their quote unquote customers partners call them whatever you will but people who are racing and in some ways the most difficult thing that they've had to also do is the fact that they do that because people go yeah 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 we want that we want prototypes want oh yeah if you do prototypes we'll bring prototypes and then you set up a prototype race and then prototypes don't come ah right so do we do another one Ah, well, there was a problem. And that, but you can't ever criticise Gary, Evo and the team for uh, for not listening and for not working really hard to make sure that the events run like clockwork. And they really, really do. Got a bit of a battle starting to build here. For second place, Peter to in the very bright uh, yellow Porsche is pulling in. The second place matches Vibor in the Ferrari, the middle cap racing with Scuderia Praha. That's the number 11 car, the white and almost a chrome blue with the variant interesting colour scheme going to grey or silver grey and black stripes across the back of it. Really nice livery on that. Unusual to see a Ferrari in this colour, as Nick was mentioning. Unusual to see a Ferrari with such straight lines on it as well but actually i think that works it looks <laughs> really good indeed and um, peter is is pulling that car and he's got it down to round about three and a half seconds he, he lost a little bit last time around uh, but otherwise
1: he, he had been pulling into that yeah i mean it's that slow gain i think massive Vibo is, is a lot further into his stint he's going an hour and a half in compared to uh, Peter, who's only an hour in, so the tyres, either the fuel levels, who knows where they are because of the code six. The tyres are certainly much more tired on oh, Mattias's car. Uh, I'm not sure if Mattias is I'm sure he's a very fit young man. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it, it, this is a lot of ebb and flow to come. I think yeah, you know, we, we, we obviously with with Pierre Kaffer, who was the early leader in the uh, the 18 car, dropping out of sync and therefore officially scored as sixth in some way back two laps back. That's going to change from the, the other. Teams had to make their green flag stops in the next next few minutes. So we're
2: about to see, I think, a big shake up again. That was quite a big shunt, by the way, that brought out the full course purple, um, or called purple, full course 60, when Thierry Vermeulen put the MRS racing Porsche uh, into the wall. going to take a bit of repair, as we said. It just retweeted that. Uh, at RSL studio, by the way, if you want to get in touch with us this afternoon, any of the team, we're all monitoring that. I would think that we're probably about 10 laps away, maybe a little more, from the leaders coming back into the pit lane on fuel. 18 car circulating in sixth at the moment is the Tronic Racing by TECE. That's Pierre Caffer. Fastest man on the track last time by about half a second. 44 flat for Pierre. Next best that I can see was the 44 5 by Matches Vibault. So.
1: Did I get that the wrong way around? Had, had Matches just caught up with Pieter and pulled past him? He has done. He's got yeah. past him by five seconds. Obviously. Yeah, if I thought that was the other way around. I thought that was Pieda... Pieda's dropped with off. Yes, dropped
2: correct, off, yeah. yeah. So that was but a change of position there for the for the silver. I think he said silver Ooh, arrows there. <laughs> right in front of the triple nine. Ivo Breukers. And Ivo Breukers with, in front of him, uh, the triple nine. I think, well
1: it, I think it's interesting that... Um, I it's interesting that Evo's has effectively yeah, done yeah. what every, every, every man had in mid crisis today. He's going to bought a Porsche, isn't he? You know, he had, a, he had a fast hatchback and he's upgraded to a Porsche now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that was a nasty Oof. moment for... It's the... Uh, it's coming into... It's, a it's racing. the Charlie Putman car, isn't it? Yes, it is. I thought oh. it was a... Yes. So that was the uh, fourth place car. and That was a one-fifth. That was a six-second
1: mistake there mm. by Charlie. Yeah. If you if you simply over if you if you get turn in wrong for the mobile alliance curve, you will, unless you're very lucky, effectively understeer under off. And and it's got a very tempting amount of curve on the exit. I'll take that to, oh, I've run out then you hop off. Luckily, when you, when you come off your an angle, it doesn't then make you do something silly in the um, in the gravel. You'll continue pointing in the right direction before you did just lose time. In this situation, where you hit the gravel, and you've got no idea where you're going to hang off. Today. You just lose time from that kind of understeer moment. So, whilst it's going to make a mess when you hit the trail when and get back on the truck later, that's going to be when it drives to team's the tyres in the background, just in that embarrassed embarrassing when suddenly you probably won't mention the rest of the team.
2: Yeah, having a quick look at the back of that car, I would say that he has got away with that because I don't see, uh, I don't see any damage.
1: No, no, uh, unless you're really unlucky and, and oh, no, a copy now, by one of the... uh, TCR cars are exactly the same thing. You just drift off. It's got a really tempting exit bit of curbing and and, and, and with some uh, green astro sorry, concrete or, or the grass creep behind it. But then it turns very, very quickly into gravel. And, and once you get sucked into it, that's it. You just go, whoa, and off you go and straight through it. But it's, it is so lucky that, at that point you are pointing in the right direction.
2: This is turn 12 that we're talking about, the mobile lines yeah. curve. And that's through to Just in the 131 Top Car Sport Cupra TCR. Running fourth in TCR at the moment. But again, it would appear it might have been a wee bit of a foul, but it was no harm uh, at the very very least. He's he's cost himself seconds, but I don't think there was any damage. The undertrays are what everybody's worried about, as Nick said. All of these cars, and particularly the... In fact, all of the cars, including the TCRs, there's always something underneath the car, flat bottom or at the back to a diffuser. Now, I still haven't worked out what flavour of Porsche this is uh, that Evo and the team are driving. It's got the new dash pack, but that doesn't necessarily mean... But if that is a 992, they've done very well to prize one of those out, it is a 992 it's got the swan necks on the back so the snout, nostrils on the nose, so this is the all new GT cup car that uh, is being driven at the moment, this GT Silver is the colour that it comes in and then of course it has to have orange on it for Red Camel Jordan looks like it's got a bit of tape around the front end as well, uh, around the, the bonnet area, unless that's part of the Design, this is the triple nine. <laughs> no, I, I don't camel. think that's,
1: that's not straight from Stuttgart. That tape, that's for sure.
2: No, indeed. Well, y- there are only five a series in the world Porsche series in the world that got these this year. They were brand new uh, at the end of last year. The brand new Porsche Carrera Cup North America got them first and raced at Sebring in March. That was their competition debut. Got 21 or 22 cars, which was an extraordinary. Um, amount that they got also racing in the Benelux German Championships as well Uh, Super Cup of course and in the Porsche Carrera Cup Asia which is at uh, Zhuhai this this morning and tomorrow morning
1: oh is that the official pronunciation is it?
2: Uh, apparently it's not Zhuhai it's Zhuhai is it? Zhuhai I know that Mm. I've been working hard on my Chinese uh, pronunciations as you can imagine oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, that's uh, 6.55 tomorrow morning UK 7.55 in Europe if you want to catch up with that so that's an all brand new car then for uh, Red Camel Jordan, triple nine car which is uh, battling uh, at the moment in GTX and Evo will be enjoying that, I'm told they are lovely cars to drive there is um there's ABS option, and uh, not sure if there's a TC option on them, but there's definitely a, an ABS. The pro cars, the full pro cars in IMSA run the ABS. Uh, that's mandatory. The 991 car is the second-place car in the 991 category. That's one of the older cars. It's the NKPP chrome green with bright orange on the back. And key nine ca- if you look at, sorry Nick, if, you, if you look at the side by side you'll notice the difference Particularly mm. now it is a completely different body shell on the 992 but the way to tell them apart easily is look at how the rear wing is mounted it's standard underneath on the aerofoil full width on the 991 gen 2 and the 992 has got the swan necks over the top of uh, a rear wing 11 different adjustment positions on that rear wing which is <coughs> unusual on a cup car and they've got much much more uh, sophisticated suspension got the multimatic DSSV suspension uh, on the new cup cars as well it's a big step forward which is why they are so much faster in cup competition sorry Nick, go ahead
1: no, I was just going to say the interesting thing about the NKPP car is that another team who have graduated up to the Porsche from a TCR car, who has run the TCR cars for a long time with the uh, Hans Hilders and uh, the rest of the team, and they they went up to the, the Porsche, um, I think while we were still actually able to go to races, so probably at the back end of 19, Correct. Um, and now of course... Uh, um, He's been joined by the Red Camel Jordan team, who have been stalwart of, uh, of TCX, TCE, TC and TCR from day one. So, this is a, an interesting flight support we're seeing from the established teams. But luckily, they're being filmed, filled in, backfilled very effectively by people like Walter Rama, who, who are again putting up an absolutely fantastic battle within the uh, TCR class.
2: Bart Van Helten in the blue and pink 925. That's another nine, uh, 911 class car. 991 class car, excuse me, for Baz Kooten Racing. It's the 925. And that in close competition gives us the opportunity to see the difference. And even from a distance and on a racetrack, you can see that the 992, is a much bigger and wider car. And there is no narrow-bodied version of the 992. They all get the big arches. They've got a much wider front track than the car. And even the standard road cars... Uh, All of the GT3 have uh, double wishbone front suspension straight off the car. So if you get a GT3 992 street car, you're basically getting the GT3 cup car. Leader in the pit lane. So that's a wee bit earlier than I thought, Uh, Nick, for Brandon Leach and Lightman Motorsport.
1: Yeah, I think they weren't in any danger regarding... um, driver time so that obviously they have run that towards either a back timing towards the end to get stinting or more likely just where the fuel was because of course we had a code 60 in the middle which meant you know there were differing amounts of fuel in there from from, from, depending on where the cars stopped in relation to their their first full stop so brandon came in from the lead this will put of course uh matches vibo in the uh scuderia Praha 11 machine into the lead for a couple of laps he's a still got a maximum of 23 minutes more he can run on a stint. And my guess is that he'll be in, in the next two or three laps because I think he's in a pretty similar strategy to, uh, to in the LiPo Motorsport car. And then the question is, Peter Declatins from Hagali by T2 is another a completely different portion, John. That is a real GT3R car, though not the latest one. Um, he has fallen back a bit from matches, but he could, could run for another you know, 40 minutes more on his, uh, on his uh, drive time.
2: Hey lap times that the Cup cars were doing at Sebring were pretty much identical to what the GT Daytona the GT3 cars uh, were doing um, now obviously there's a bit of balance of performance going on in this multi-class racing but that tells you what a big step forward that has been and of course we wait with bated breath those of us who live for the sound of the flat 6 engine cracking a cold morning um, for the new GT3 formula car, so the GT3R as as Nick was saying, Porsche don't make things easy because everything is called a GT3, there's an R, an RS, and an RSR and a GT3 Cub as well of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, and Ian McCarthy pointing out at at, uh, RSL underscore studio, lovely touch on the new Cub cars, get a chance to have a look at the headlights, the headlamp glasses are um, slightly sort of fogged out, but there's a clear cross- in the middle of the car now that's it's not a playstation button but that's exactly what no. it looks like the x on a playstation button the cross on a playstation button um, in in that sort of multiplication x format and it's a nod to the old days of racing when you used to put tape over there your headlights because you drove the often we would drove the drive the car to the track um, and if only i'd done that on the 968 the last time i took it out on the road and got a stone through the front driving light. I shall have to speak to Porsche Classic to get the new Hella one. Not a cheap piece of kit. There'll be some helicopter tape going over that when the new ones come. <laughs> Three yeah. hours and 34 <laughs> minutes still to go. So the leader then has started off a, a third round of pit stops in GT3 as we come to the end of another hour of racing been completed coming up to three hours being completed so coming up to a quarter of full race distance Don't forget today three and a half hours to go so that gives us a six and a half hour stint today if you will cars are flagged off the track tonight effectively into a park firm here um in fact, no actually into a park fermier and then we restart tomorrow for the remained remaining five and a half hours mm-hmm. to give us the full 12 and hour and enduro
1: it, of course it's the longest first half of a 12 hour race we've ever had we've never had six and a half hours of the first section I think the longest before was may only have been five because on the whole it's been three and nine four and eight we have had some very long first halves of the uh the 24 hours of because that's a 24-hour race broke it broken yeah 14 hours it was the first half. and of course the mantra uh, we normally yes. give when we have um, these these split races you've just got to try and stay on the lead lap um but i think with six and a half hours that that's just very difficult to actually achieve unless you are completely on the pace you can be clever in a three-hour or even a four-hour element and just try and finesse yourself onto the lap, perhaps by, the lap by perhaps by eschewing tyres or fuel to just get to that break point. But I think the six and a half hours you have to kind of treat it or let's just see where we are rather than trying to worry about anyone else at that point.
2: Proudly carrying the number one into the put lane Rama champions from last season Yasmin that uh, brings the Golf TCR GTI DSG and Uncle Tom Copley and all and Yasmin is out of the car a bit of a wheel spin as it pulls out for Autorama Motorsport by Wolf Power their team car is the number 112 Reese Lloyd still out in that at the moment and somebody is sorting up a, a penalty and it is the t- it's the Dario Stanko in another Autorama Motorsport car and that's a, a, another thing that I like Nick you, you know your race isn't ruined if you have to come in and serve a penalty you can do it on your way in to yep. what is going on uh, and here is the Ferrari into the pit lane so I thought we, once we saw the Lamborghini in that we'd see a flurry of pit stops because they were all in at roughly the same time under the code 60 weren't they
1: yeah, A couple of laps longer there for Matthias Weiber. Now, the interesting thing is, of course, he's currently sitting on a quite a nice lead over the cars where he stopped. But it's, it's about a pit stop, is about two and a half laps because the completely into out and a full tank of fuel is something in the region of four minutes 20 seconds. You do the whole thing, so that it, with a one minute 40 lap, you are looking at two and a half laps, hence, your lead disappears when you make a full stop very quickly just in in the fuel so it's, it, this whole rotational of where you are against the actual leader it, it, those fuel stops are going to come in really really key because it's in we talk talking about staying on the same lap we're talking about how you get to the end but even so yeah, you've got to work out because it's just such a, such a, you know, effectively quite a short lap for these cars you can lose so much gap distance by, by stopping at the wrong time especially when you come in towards the brake
2: 40 seconds before we click over the three, first three hours of the race completed. So, with pit stops underway, They seems to be that everybody is heading for the pit lane at the same time. And AC Motorsport, Stéphane Perrin, in the 188
1: TCR. Oh, that's, the pit that's lane. pretty much. That's the ebb and flow isn't it of the preventive race that when you've had a code 16 um you then wait x amount of time and everyone comes in again at the first a right. very similar time before they begin to spread out as, as events happen but yeah that code 60 i think was quite a, a good time for a number of teams they all came in for it which means they're all starting from scratch or from half a tank from now So from that point so they're now seeing them coming in again on mass and then we wait another round a bit and they come in a bit less on mass and then they'll begin to spread right out again but yeah it's, it's does mean you have a, a feast and famine if you have a very well timed cone sixty as far as pit lane activity is
2: concerned. The leader now is the Porsche of Hageli uh, by T2 Racing. They've been out an hour and seventeen minutes now. Two laps of that, so around about what three and a half seven minutes for to do a, a full course yellow cord sixty lap were under purple, but the rest of that it has been at speed and that is a very good run indeed by Peter de Curtins now you know his lap times aren't as quick as some of the drivers around him but he is eking out fuel in that car in and out for the 112 Autorama the better placed of the two Autorama Motorsport by Wolfsport Rich Lloyd brought that Volkswagen Golf in from second uh, and of course AC Motorsport came in as well they're now in for fuel and that is where the Golf will go as well Constantin uh, Kletzer, by the way, took over the number one Autorama Golf. Forget, okay, yes, follow along. Twenty-four hour series uh, on their website. There's a huge amount of information, including the online program with Joe Bradley's behind the garage door column this week, which is uh, this race run, which is certainly worth. Having a look at Leipert battling with Porsche, and that is a battle for position.
1: It's I not. Think. <coughs> it no, no it's not.
2: Because it there, will there be. Yes,
1: <coughs> because they have different pit strategies. So yes, yeah, so the the Lamborghini, which is looking very aggressive, is in fact a couple of laps down because it's correct a stop. Whereas, well, this the, is uh,
2: really important. It's really important for the put Lamborghini uh, and Tyler Cook behind the wheel because they have made their stop and the car ahead has not. So that car's gonna disappear, Peter de curtains is gonna disappear. But right now, the lap time that Leiput is doing is governed by that rhubarb and custard Porsche right ahead as they go down to the Spitzkerker hairpin at turn six. Lamborghini, I, I feel some frustration uh, oh, from yeah. Tyler in the Lambo as they're cutting through traffic and through turn seven because but, because what he's he's actually not racing that car right now he's racing the other cars that have that have stopped
1: the problem he's got is de curtains whilst being on slightly older tires is probably 80 to 100 kilograms lighter than he is because he's got, we're, we're probably we're a car on fumes against a car fully filled and it also, I think the Curtain's got, w- w- had perhaps just got into a, little bit of a, a bit of a lull. And now he's been woken up, they, they poked the bear and suddenly his lap times improved by a couple of seconds. It must be particularly frustrating uh, for Tyler in the Lambo, but he, he just needs to get close enough to drive past him on the main straight because he, he should have a bit of extra speed and certainly should have a bit of extra drive on the tires. But yeah, this is, this, is, this is bad news for him because it's losing him time against other people he's virtually racing against who are actually currently coming in and coming out of the pits. So the Scuderia Paraha car is on its outback, and I think... Well, we'll see where it's got uh, Dennis Wozniak in it it for the first time in that that Ferrari, but it may well be he's now ahead uh, on the road and counting the stagger of the fuel stops from the Leopard Lamborghini.
2: Right. Well, the 66 leads going into turn two and three. Then it's CP Racing Charles Putnam, who is a wee bit further down the track. The 11... He's just crossing the start line now. So that's right, where the... He's, right, he's lost that is, that is where Dennis is at the moment in the Scuderia Praha. The middle cap racing with Scuderia Praha. Uh, Ferrari is. Uh, scored in sixth position at the moment. So is actually behind the Leipzig car by about 30 seconds.
1: Hmm. That's gone wrong, is not it? Yes. Only five of those seconds were during the pit stop. They... they five five minutes
2: and 51 seconds um, for that out lap obviously that is some time in the in the pits and the fueling as well but they would have been able to take full fuel and that's what takes the time reminder fueling not done in the pit lane it's done in a separate fueling area which is here on the way out of the pits and it is done by normal pistol grip uh, fuel pump just as you'd find at your local supermarket service station
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, in the actual pit stops, the pit in to pit out time, a Prada are actually five seconds faster than both the, the entire company Leipert Motorsport car and in fact Pierre Kaffer's who in the Retiak uh, car, which is actually is ahead on the track of the Lamborghini urican So it be Pierre Kaffer's car which will actually pick up the lead once we've seen what the expected Ladies pit stops from uh, Pierre. Uh, curtains, which is now and also Charles Putnam who must be seen for the a one hour of 49 stints those two cars will be in the next couple of laps and that will free up uh, Pierre Caffer to lead and Tyler Tuck to be in second and it's a penalty for the curtains uh, Pierre
2: Caffer's been out there for 23 laps so he's halfway through his stint they are off kilter with the other cars around them now how that will unwind as we move and, uh, well, as we move to the end of this part, because remember you can um, restart the next morning with the same driver and his drive time is wiped. but what you can't do uh, after the run-up to the intervention at the end of today is you, you can't fuel that car overnight. So you start nice. tomorrow with the fuel that you finished tonight. So we may see a wee scramble. Um, people will be working out how many pit stops they want to do tomorrow, and... And then, basically, trying to back time that, I would have thought, to start tomorrow with the, the best amount of fuel in. It might not need to be a full tank to start tomorrow, Nick.
1: If, if you're not leading, then what you want to do is reduce the number of full laps or behind. If you're what happens is everyone gets reset tomorrow morning on a set number of laps behind each other, so... Um, If you were a minute behind someone, you'll start actually two meters or five meters behind them on on the grid. If you're one lap and 30 seconds behind, you'll start one lap behind. So the idea is you try and get enough fuel in so you don't lose that extra You don't go from one lap to two lap behind. So that's the difficulty, the difficulty of the maths, especially when you've got the various, very variation of the track speed, but also the, uh, the wild card of Code 60. So it's something you can't really, I think, calculate it until you get towards the last hour or so, or say the last pitch, about how much you are taking, whether you're short so, you short might actually save almost a lap if, if on the restart. So
2: next in will be the CP Racing. Mercedes-AMG GT3 and now an at 21 Charles Putnam has been in that. Flash of the lights from, Pierre, from the number 11 he's going side by side uh, with the Audi of Car Collection Motorsports and Pierre-Yves Pack. and relatively simple pass down the inside at turn 2. So that it's so important not to get caught in traffic when you've made your pit stop. You've given up a couple of laps and change. The last thing you need to do is to come out into traffic. But if you need to come in, you need to come in. And I, I do sometimes think, Nick, that it's not always wise to, you know, if you can do 42 laps, does it make more sense to come in at 40 just so you get a better.
1: Better outlap
2: in effect for it's particularly really, it's a new really, driver yeah, as we get the we, 85
1: car into the It's pace. very hard to work out your outlap because a because full stop is so long. It's four minutes 10 and four minutes 25. Um, there's so many variables, and it, you, it's not like you can sit down on the GPS tracker in an F1 race and know it's 22 seconds and know where you're going to come out and your Argo car in between Barry and Tim. It's not like that. So it's really, I think most people will. will, will do their strategy to either the drive time of the drivers if you want to get a certain driver's drive time through or minimise somebody else's or just trying to get the, where the fuel gets, working out what they want to have approximately to get to the end, the end of the section
2: Oh, off again the green AMG off the circuit on the far side of the track, that's the MP Racing Corinna Gossner driven Mercedes-Benz uh, and that is coming round into the Sachs curve, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, no, so, no. Either looks like no damage. It's like a, a an error or a Off on the right-hand the side there. Yeah, it was that's impressive, a, That's Unusual.
2: <laughs> that's harder. Normally, I wonder if that was right across the track, in and out of Could've... fuel, then for the Hegeli Porsche, and that car will be back out on the track any moment now. 88 car collection Pierre-Yves Pax just lost a position, he's dropped back down to 6th, it's Mark Bessing behind the wheel of the Porsche now that is a 911 Gen 2 GT3R Mark Bessing um, Porsche expert, Nürburgring expert as well uh, and driving in the rear in the Nürburgring expert Um, one of the absolute best total meister. And that portion now, expect to see that 1.41.3, which is that car's best lap so far in the race. I would expect to, to see Mark peppering that
1: sort of lap time once he gets up the speed. Not not sure if the, the track's got it on. anymore, to be honest. We aren't seeing super fast time. All right. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he is he is the semi-pro. He is the highest rated driver in that car of the three. So, Mark picks up in third because uh, whilst Charles Putnam scored in the lead which is in the field and he'll drop down back down to sixth place so it's Pierre Kaffer in the electronic racing by Teke for the Audi that's leading from the Lamborghini of like, most and like Tyler Cook and out in third Mark Bassane from in the Porsche 911 so that's the uh, set of stops stopped and finished until we have Pierre Kaffer coming back in again and starting the whole thing again in about 20 laps time
0: And that's Nick Damon, you're tuned to RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels, as John Hindoff steps away for a little period of time, it's Johnny Palmer rejoining proceedings, with 3 hours and 19 minutes still to go, and uh, Charlie Putman in the fueling area still scored as the race leader, but as Nick points out, Pierre Caffer will uh, with the completion of this lap, be scored as the race leader and by something like... uh, 11 seconds there or thereabouts from the Leiper Motorsport Lamborghini Huracan of American driver Tyler Cook with Dennis Vasek at the wheel. So, uh, Nick, kind of sum up the, the last 60 minutes then whilst I've been away. Uh, the 18 car has clearly established itself in the race lead. What's been happening elsewhere?
1: Well, well realistically, Johnny, we, you know, after the excitement you had towards the end of, uh, of your uh, last stint with the accident for the 989 and the... Uh and the code 60 apart from the problems which have fallen uh, her birth racing in their Ferrari which is a drive shaft that's going to the pit it's been turning laps but we have seen a kind of a move forward by um, the uh, the Lamborghini and that's looked a bit better and, and certainly towards the back end of um, uh, the last session from uh, Scuderia Praha and, and uh, with the uh, uh, Sorry, with, with, with Matthias Weber, and they, that was just using a bit of pace, so they've dropped down to fourth overall. But um, it's all very, very close. And you can look at any one of those top four cars, and so the, the top three cars, and, and really make an argument that any one of them could end up ahead either at six and a half hours or 12. But um, yeah it's um it's it really has been a case of people just turning laps we've got yeah. a couple of off, off tracks but it's, it's it's a one of those important parts of a an endurance race where people actually you don't have a code 60 and get to start working out a strategy that has some some, some semblance of solidity behind it and not a constant adaption exactly right we've had a solid bit of running now we, we, we put up effectively with tank full at full racing pace and now we can work out where we are and think about where we want to be at eight o'clock local time this evening
0: What I'm impressed with is actually the the number of cars that have the ability to stay on the lead lap when it's, you know, I thought fairly short lap, four and a half kilometres. What what I meant to do was look at how that compares to Mugello because we always talk about when we go to Mugello every year how important it is to stay on the lead lap within four hours and not a lot of teams actually manage to do that but um, six and a half hours, it looks doable for well let's say two or three teams um, depending on how the 88 car collection car gets on 88 within the car collection stable seems to be better uh, um, when you compare the you know the, the, the various drivers and their average lap times so you group the 88 car together that looks stronger than the 34 currently Gustav Edelhoff who is Max's dad uh, is now at the wheel of the 34 car but with Elmar Grimm and Gustav they can't really punch out the sort of times that Max can, whereas I just wonder whether it's slightly more of a level playing field for the guys in the 88, mm. and they are just about still on the lead lap.
1: Not much longer. they've just Probably stopped. not. Agreed. They're in for fuel. I think, you know, they, they are the better of the two, it seems, balancing of the team, which is, you know, we have seen, of course, an outright win for the 34 car in the past. We've had a particular, I remember yes. Elmar Griffin was particularly great that weekend. I can't remember. He obviously had three shredded wheat in the morning. But I think in answer to your question, if things continue going as they're going, I would think we could probably end up with four cars on the lead lap, even though it's only a minute and 50. Even um, after six that,
0: and a half hours, you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's possible. I think that's the okay. 18, the 10, the 11, and 66, because the 66, which is the straggler at the moment, has got their best driver in for the next probably two hours and Mark Bassing. So they, they, they should, you know, provide yeah. the cars are all handling properly, they shouldn't lose any time. They should start to perhaps creep up, certainly, on that it was the I mean, Pierre Caffa is the, uh, the star of the Electronic team, so he's going to, I think, move forward. Um, yeah, I think, I think I'm, I'm not I'm putting my money on four, because that would be, you know, really pushing it a little bit I and mean, there's only but there is still a half minute safety margin of those four being on the, on the first lap but I completely agree with you getting four GT3 cars and say out six and a half hours would be quite impressive really as we have normally struggled to get two uh,
0: this is the shortest track we visit all year by the way Mugello is 5.2 Ks uh, Dubai 5.3 Ricard 5.8 but four uh, four four and a half kilometres 4,574 metres to be exact for the Hockenheim ring is the shortest, with the next shortest being where we go next, the Algarve International Circuit for the 24 hours of Portimao in July. Um, so even more so, you know, with over the half half of the 12 hours run by the end of today, that uh, is most impressive if it does uh, prove to be the case. And I realise we've got another three and a quarter hours to go before we can fully rule, uh, rule that uh, Put that rule on, on the equation. Uh, Dennis Vashik is still in third position for the middle cap racing by Scuderia Praha Ferrari. And his speed uh, last time through was very similar, actually, to the car ahead. Tyler Cook, 142.4. What we don't really know is the, the traffic that each car is having to negotiate with every lap. Uh, although Dennis Vashik has had to just get through a clutch of back markers or midfielders Heading into turns two, three, and four, as now Fabrizio Broggi for the Vili Motorsport by Ebi Motors crew. Romanian team, but Italian driver, uh, is second in the 991 class. He's making his way through that first sector of the lap. Of course, the track split into three sectors, the first of them being actually the shortest, and the run towards that sequence of two, three, and four corners. Another car in the pits is the car collection machine of Gustav Edelhoff. Pierre Yves Pax just brought the Car Collection 88 car in as Nick mentioned and Ralph Omer in the nine and eleven or nine eleven racing team for the seven nineteen Porsche leading the GTX category also in for fuel as well. Uh, have, have you um, managed to catch a glimpse yet of a, of a car going into the fueling area, Nick? It's very I'm, tight
1: indeed. I've just seen them turning right and uh, going behind the back of the wall. Yeah, I haven't seen the fueling area itself. It's certainly... Mm. Uh, I, I, when I was watching earlier, I actually thought it was a... I, saw it up, and I, I forgot which car championship then. I thought it was a car retiring. And doing an American <laughs> going behind the wall thing. And I thought, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that's be really bad news. And I, went, and I thought, hang on, Nick, this is preventing this car and some fuel, you know. We all, have to, we all have to try and catch up in our brains, don't we, at some point? Well, well,
0: yeah, because I mean, that's the, that's the good thing about motorsport is that, you know, yes, it's cars going round and round in circles, ultimately, but that each different championship, each different event runs to different rules, and that, that, you know, the fact that fueling isn't permitted in the normal pit lane in Creventic racing. And then you've got to think about is fueling before the main pit lane or afterwards? Then you've got to uh, worry about whether there's going to be a, a, a free fueling air bay when you, your car eventually gets there. That's easier to judge when the fueling area is before the pit lane. Um, much more bandaging taking place of That's the That's pretty impressive 989.
1: stuff. That's the 989 about to come out after only Incredible. being in the pits for an hour and 25 minutes, or an hour and 30 minutes. Well, uh, that looks better than the, the, most of the stuff you get from the local body shop. That does. It's an excellent thing. You've got a nice, a nice uh, plain steel wing. Yeah, get that sprayed up when you get back with the Alphas' rattle can, mate, it look lovely. Never know she's been done.
0: Are they papering over the cracks, or stickering over the cracks, I wonder though. But uh, you know, hopefully everything's been sorted out underneath the skin. The black wing now that uh, adorns the front left corner of that car. It was a significant yes. off for Thierry Fairmoulin, but straight into fueling it goes, as we would expect. I still haven't worked out where the cars re-emerge from the fueling area. They all turn right it's there. like by. magic.
1: Well, yeah. I just wonder whether they're being spat out the back of the paddock to reach... No, what, the what happens is they, they, there's a very large ward over there. They, they emerge into Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> in amongst a load of fur coats. Yeah, in load of fur coats, so they have to avoid the fawns and then get back on the track again. Round the lamppost and back in the race. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, excellent. Which, no, is, which in like fact, is not—it's it's not as dumb as the, the route they were taking the Navara track. Remember, like, it was like a giant boot, it, it made, <laughs> a, a ten-mile. It made no sense. It's like, why, why are you feeding these cars this ridiculous way? I think I had, they had spare cones and decided to use them. But, I uh, do remember yeah. that. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I timed it like a minute just to drive round the actual. In and out of the, where the fueling was, regardless of not actually getting any fuel, this is driving around at 10 miles an hour, which was the uh, speed limit for the fueling section.
0: Well, when you get in the fueling area itself, it is vast here at Hockenheim. It's just that uh, the entry and exit points—you uh, have to breathe in somewhat and uh, fold in the door mirrors quite possibly as well to get in and out safely. But that's exactly what the 989 Porsche has just been repaired, is doing sadly down in 29th position but when you consider the amount of damage that had to be repaired, under 90 minutes for that stop is mightily impressive we haven't seen any more from the KTM crossbow from writer Engineering that Nico Pronk brought in nearly two hours ago now that was smoking heavily and uh, the Ferrari number 92 Jürgen Herring, Herbert Motorsports car, now I'm not sure whether I know the issue with that. The night yeah, it, it came in.
1: It came in just after you. Uh, you went off to uh, poke things up your nose. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not accusing you of being a cocaine addict. I'm accusing you of needing a PCR test. <laughs> um, I'm trying but, to uh, uh, stick by the rules rather than break them. God, honestly, there's always one, isn't there? That sticks by the rules. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, it came in. Um, out of sequence, they had a look in through the wheels, and had a look at the body, and they, and they it said it was a drive shaft issue. The only thing about being a drive shaft issue is that's a 20 minute fix, and it's been in for an hour. So it may be, because ben, ben got kind of a comment from um, one of the mechanics, who's not speaking his, his first language, so it was gearbox and drive, and then you refine that to drive shaft, and one of it was drive line, because it may be something that actually the differentials got an issue, and it'd be a, that, that would be count for the much longer, change times, because we know these teams can change the drive shaft, what, 15, 20 minutes, no problem at all on the racing GT3 car.
0: Yeah. Over the line goes the 112 Autorama Motorsport VW Golf. In TCE, it is Stefan Wieninger leading in the AC Motorsport Audi, 188, from the Colin White Ginetta G55, still Colin doing the driving, although John Bruno's been at the wheel of that. Um, must have done, because no one could do any more than two hours in one go so i think colin started and then we've had a double stint from john before uh, the brit takes back over again uh then the two autorama motorsport vw goals the two championship regulars we have got the extra car from that team in this race the Say leon cup racer from the swiss squad and dario stanko is currently the wheel of 211 but the two goals are and not far away from one another, only separated by seven seconds. Third and fourth in the TCE race with Christoph Lentz and Konstantin Kletzer, 112 ahead of number one car. Quick adjustment to the mirror of the repair 989, and that's a bit tight into the mobile one corner. I wasn't
1: looking at it, probably. No, yeah, you adjust it, did. then then looking at it. I can't see <laughs> and, any cars. I'll just oh, turn there's it
0: oh, 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 yes. yes. A uh, bright green and orange machine which did manage to wriggle up the inside of Nikolai Kadetsky, thankfully, and uh, no harm, no foul there. Uh, I assume so. some
1: big engineer got into that, drew the repair, got into that and uh, and, and banged it, so it's now not looking out of the, uh, of the rear. into so that constant adjustment, that was, that was brilliant, he adjusted to the point where he adjusted, so busy adjusting, he didn't see the car he was supposed to avoid by looking in it, which
0: Yeah. Well, his, ha- his hand was kind of over the top <laughs> of the hole of the mirror as-, as he was adjusting it. So uh, for the moment, uh, rather blinded from for his v- rear view uh, point of view. Anyway, that's all sorted. And actually, the car getting through, I think, was Baz Barenberg in the NKPP Racing Yeah. 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 So third place for that in class. Behind the other Baz Kooten car of Bart von Helden and van Helden actually gains a place there uh, on Max Edelhoff because the 34 has just pitted so Gustav Edelhoff giving way to Max Max rejoining in 11th place 7th in class which allows the two 991 uh, leaders uh, 925 and 955 through and they're up to uh, well the the class leaders up as far as 9th place overall now which is very good indeed the uh, Porsche Cup cars do rather better on fuel mileage compared to the rather thirstier GT3 cars into pit lane is the 58 Karina Gosner uh, it's again a very much a family affair from the Gosners driving the MP Racing Mercedes and Ben constant in the pit lane keeping us up to date with the various comings and goings of cars, watching this stop for the 58 and probably some news elsewhere too Ben
3: Progress was being made on that car uh, knowing that uh, as you quite rightly say they speculated it was a drive shaft and therefore it should be about 20 minutes driver was actually in the car when i left it uh, but as you say it's been over an hour now and they are still working in the same area that right rear corner the hub is off uh, they still believe it's a drive shaft issue but uh, it seems to be more kind of surgical than uh, big hammers and, and big bits of metal they are desperately trying to get something realigned by turning the axles and both on the left and the right hand side there's not many parts lying around it's not as though they've taken lots of bits off it's just, uh, just a bit fiddly for them and of course they're all wearing their Porsche uh, uh, race team uniform but fiddling with a the, with the Ferrari so I don't know
1: quite how familiar they are with uh, the, the, the ins and outs if you like do you think they've got a gearbox sensor problem and it's lost where it is, because they're trying to move it to to pick something back up again. You wouldn't do that for mechanical reasons. You just replace mechanical things. It's almost like it's lost its positioning in some way.
0: Yeah, I mean, many a time, teams have been chasing issues that are actually sensor-related, misreading, giving false information, uh, and actually the car's fine beneath the skin. But maybe it is just a sensor issue that uh, is sending the telemetry or the, the readings well out of skew and they're trying to get to the bottom of that now we had a strange incident earlier on with the Duvo Racing Porsche car 909 which went up on the high stands and within literally a couple of minutes they'd solve the problem and Ben suggested that might have been sensor related as well there's a bit more work than that going on on the rear of this Ferrari though Nick lots of paper towels out and new
1: bits of Ferrari there's been a lot of leakage of oil I mean it's you know Drive shaft, drive line, up to the rear diff. Of course, un- you know you've got it's a mid-engine car, so the gearbox just sits off the back of the engine. It's got all the gubbins back there. But they're used to that they used to working with Porsches. But mm. I mean, that is the issue, of course. I mean, yeah, this is a team that is used to being a Porsche team. Yes, it does some Ferrari work, but you've got mechanics who've done, you know, five years with the, with the GT3 version of the Porsche. It's a lot of things. Oh, that, uh, yep, I know what that is. Yep, I know how to do that. They yeah, that tricky thing. I know how to do that, or I know what tool is needed. Even you know, it's just a you know a four pound lump hammer or an eight pound lump hammer, but you're dealing with a new car, um, which you haven't got the same experience of. The similar era, similar problem, will take much longer to resolve because you just don't know exactly what you're trying to do the first couple of times.
0: Yes, um, they have won- run that Ferrari before. Alfred Renauer reminding me of that fact, but it was a few years ago now. The Spa 12 hours, I think. Um, and if you go long enough back, then uh, Herbert. Sporting a Lamborghini Huracan in the Dubai 24 hours a good number of years ago now, before all the success. Just then the followed. once though. Just the once. Didn't go so well from memory. <laughs> um, no. And that was well before all of the success that Preco Herbert Motorsport then had in the 24-H series. I think it was before their title winning years. Uh, and they were unstoppable for a period of time after that. So clearly the Porsche and Herbert are a good fit, but because of meetings prior to this and one in a couple of weekends time as well. Not practical to get the Porsches to the Hockenheim uh, Ring in between, so they've decided to go with the Ferrari that they have either loaned back in or it just sits in the Herbert garage. Well, I mean,
1: it's, uh, it's a 19. It's probably just sitting in the garage because, as we said before, mm. the team is running a GTE Ferrari at the Mon, so you know a little bit of True. practice for the drivers with mid engine handling characteristics. I know it's quite di- it's, it's quite different. The GTEs and Gt3s are much closer than they ever used to be. Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit of, a, of, a, of a, a use of what it is. I mean, can't quite similar. So, mm. yeah, they'll, they'll just get the, I've had to practice with these Ferraris prior to the big one in August now. Yeah, I think the
0: car balance, you know, is, is transferable, certainly. You've got difference in fuel tank sizes, and then obviously the, the, the driver aids that come with the GT3 car. ABS is the, the most notable yeah. one, which is very much a no-no in the GTE car, but I still think, you know, the, the ability to be able to drive um, a Ferrari in GT3 compared to GTE is there are, there are similar techniques I'm sure to be used it's not like racing a Porsche in GT3 and then to GTE because the, the balance of that car will be totally yeah. different one being a rear engine and one these days in GTE being a mid-engine bizarrely but uh, it's allowed as far as the ACO rules are concerned Ernesta Globite is a lithuanian driver at the wheel of the gcr gsr motorsport volkswagen golf she's currently in fifth place in the uh, tcr category and therefore eighth place in the tce race and car 105 fell off the lead lap fairly early on actually these uh, this lithuanians team have run in the 24h series previously uh, but it was 2019 where they did spa and barcelona once with a golf and then once with an audi and i i'm going to guess that this is again a completely different car although it's another vw golf it's probably a different chassis from previously and uh, they are again just getting more and more used to that car let's hope we can keep them on board maybe for the two 24-hour races that are to come as well. Certainly if they've raced at Barcelona before, that will have been on the list at the start of the year. But the 188 now heading out of the final corner at the curva about to put another lap on that 105. 188 still the class leader. Yes, Stefan Wieninger doing well in the AC motorsport car. Earlier driven by Machu detri Then we had a stint, or a double stint from Stefan Perrin. And now the Audi leading the way, but still only by 18 odd seconds from the Geneta G55 of Colin White, 278. The nearest TCR rival is quite a way back. So, steadily, Nick, AC Motorsport building a, a tidy cushion now,
1: at least for the TCR lead. Yeah, I mean, every time I've looked up, they've been just that little bit ahead in the Audi. The, the two Autorama cars have swapped around a couple of times, but currently it's advantage to the 1-1-2 car by the massive gap of two whole seconds. That's Christopher Lanz over Constantine Kletzer. Yeah, I mean, the AC, the RS three, the Audi has has seen when it's running at it a number of tracks, but it had a little bit of an edge over the Golf's as well. Um, but yeah, Stefan Perry's AC team, it's all looking good for them after uh, three and a half hours. But of course, we have what eight and a half to go of the overall race, and three until we had the uh, the intervention this evening. So it's a case, really, I think, as it always is in in TCR you're not going to win this race if you have a, anything above a very very minor problem because other cars that are going to run clean even they run a tiny bit slower per lap so it really isn't about, it's absolutely not about being the hair and being the quickest, it's about turning the laps at a rate at which you can keep the car safe
0: mm. I have been impressed uh, with Stefan Perrin's improvement though, um, season mm. on season really, because yep. I remember he started in 2018 and didn't really have the speed compared to Machu Dettri and other drivers that he would compete with and susceptible to the odd incident as well but the Dijon racer is definitely uh, more consistent these days and properly used to the the Audi as well
1: yeah are you telling me the Dijon racer cuts the mustard (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) I am that's very good even for you that's (laughs) half decent (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, but, yes, uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that because uh, it, it's about recognising the lap time that you can produce readily, comfortably, uh, and I think he's doing that and is uh, you know, a really important part of the team as well in terms of getting uh, race victories, potentially. They haven't yet won any of the opening three
1: rounds. Really? No. Wow.
0: That is a big surprise. Third places, I think, are the best that they have had to this point. So on course at the moment, but Nick makes a very good point that we've still got three hours to go today and then just under half of the race to go tomorrow as well. Fairly late finishes on both days too as through the right-hand kink at seven goes Max Edelhoff, expecting the times to come down now in the 34 car collection at Audi because Max was put out in qualifying yesterday he is the quickest of the three drivers and now has half a half a minute to try and catch up on luke bruykus in the red camel jordans.nl porsche which runs in gtx they've been slowly getting to grips with their new car started at the back of a gt series field weren't able to feature at all in qualifying this morning but just plugging away slowly and surely and now up to second place in gtx
1: yeah, but unfortunately, of course, well, fortunately, uh, the GTX class is being uh, comfortably led by Writer Engineering and the KTM Crossbow. It's got uh, Nikolai El at the moment in the 724 car, and they, they what, how much further are they? They're about uh, three minutes ahead, aren't they, of uh, of the Broikers? Who had some early issues with that bonnet flapping around. Um, lap time-wise, it's ebb and flow. You know, one one has a good clear lap and it's a bit quicker, One, has a, uh, the other one has a clear lap and it's a bit quicker. So... Theoretically, um, they uh, they should be staying in this three minutes or less, depending on where they are in the pit stop strategy. In fact, I'm just checking the pit stop strategy, and in fact, uh, the right engineering car owes us a stop because the stint time for Nikolai is one hour 45, whereas the stint time for Luke is just 26 minutes. So actually, those two cars are not three minutes apart on the stagger. They're very very close indeed. That that, that may well emerge into be a uh, a battle, if not to the end of the day, sort of towards the end of the race with all the staggers unwind.
0: Mm. Um, I, I, well, we won't know that till later on uh, when uh, a few more stints have, have happened, but uh, it's interesting to monitor it as we go along. And then you've got the, the variables of of different driving speeds. Yeah, you've got two of...
1: super-fast drivers in the uh, Red Camel's car, and then you've got Evo. Um, <laughs> no, it's not for Evo. Evo's <laughs> a very, very, no, Evo's a very, very, good, very good driver for his age, but obviously his lads are... Are oh, super quick, yeah. Um, Luke, Luke, who who, who skewed the concept of driving for a long time, didn't he? He didn't even get into the car. I did not even bother passing his test. That he was older than he had to be. And he was always going, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know." And then just kind of, just kind of joined in with the family firm, and it turned out to be um, have the, a the natural talent to be really, really good. Whereas Rick, of course, was racing from a very young age. Did you remember the? Do you remember when he when he wasn't at a certain race because he hadn't done his homework? Yes, I do. Yeah, you know, to back when he was 50 years old, he started racing at 16 and he wasn't allowed to do one of the races which from memory. I think was a Portimao race. It might be in Barcelona race because he hadn't got the right to grades in school. And uh, Eva said, "Nope, you're not racing. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So even though he's now only what, probably about 21, I feel like I've known him since he's a small child and Luke, his younger brother didn't start. has got a lot less racing experience than, uh, than Rick, but he's still, you know, pretty much on his pace. And then you've got a, you know, a good gentleman driver in third, who most importantly is paying the bills.
0: True enough. Yeah, and that's uh, an important thing to have as part of your uh, little organisation. Speaking of which, actually, Luke Roy, because I remember in the early days, actually worked for Kreventig. He was signing drivers on in the very early stages. Um, but I don't know. I, they, there's, there's admin and then there's driving a racing car. Probably only one winner there
1: ultimately. Uh, and Luke uh, getting into his stride now <laughs> well, too. Well, you, you get more mini strop waffles when you're signing people on. That's a good point. Um, yeah, they're, they're
0: sort of an endless supply uh, within Creventic of uh, coffee and straw waffles. So you are turning that down, I suppose. Into the Sachs Curver is the Constantin Kletzer driven number one car of uh, Alta Motorsport. And it's going to be side by side. This is for the TCE lead, I fancy, with the Colin White Janetta attempting a move up the inside of Stefan Wieninger. Uh, the Audi's all locked up into turn six deliberately gives the Ginetta racing room and Colin will get through on the inside line so just pushed a bit too hard into the corner did the 188 Audi and there is a change of lead in the TCE race yes it's one class overtaking another so you might expect the TCX car to be a little quicker but then there are many times in the past where TCRs have really dominated the TCX class it depends I suppose what turns up at each meeting in TCX it's a all-encompassing class uh, but a uh, neat bit of driving there I think both were fully aware of what was going on and Stefan Wieninger wasn't going to push the issue too much so the AC motorsport car drops to second but does hang on to the TCR lead
1: um, just been sent a picture by our Erstwhile uh, pit lane um Reporter, or Ben as he's known, um, yeah, he's got a picture from the, they, they, it is a very mangled drive shaft that's been removed from that Ferrari, but also they, it looks like they're having to replace the hub as well, so it looks like it's, it's done a, maybe not just snapped, I think, actually, rather than uh, disintegrated, hard from that angled tail, so yes, yeah, so they're replacing a hub and a drive shaft, which still shouldn't take as long as it has, so that sounds like they've been um, chasing their tails for a bit.
0: The leader from Routronic Racing has now pitted. This is Pierre Kaffer making a fourth stop of the race. And driver change taking place first of all. And then the car will be fueled. But Pierre Kaffer um, has been at the wheel. I can't tell you that because uh, the, um,
1: well, not drive that long. Time, the drive um, time just disappeared from my screen. But was that a single stint, do we think, Nick? Accident. He has done about an hour. Okay. About... About an hour, just over.
0: And watching the pit stop take place is Ben in the pits.
3: Uh, definitely gone off schedule, though, uh, as uh, I, I think uh, two and a half hours into the race. Uh, so that was an hour and twenty, an hour and fifteen. That's it. Uh, they have gone off through the rest uh, by doing that and so whilst everyone is midway through their stints, uh, they are now yeah half a stint difference and that micro stint was the half stint that, uh, that put them in that position. I don't know how that will shake out at the end of this uh, six and a half hours but uh, they are definitely doing something different. Now.
0: Well, sometimes that can pay off. They look to be in a good position anyway, but um, is that keeping back some driving hours deliberately for tomorrow? They probably want Pierre Kaffer in the car by the end of today's running as well, if possible. Um, it's just 40-odd minutes doesn't quite fit for me, Nick. Normally, you'd want to run to an hour, ir- irrespective
1: of whether it's a single or a double stint.
0: Hmm. Was there a tyre issue, maybe a slow uh, He did.
1: He did 42 laps in that last run. Ah, so sorry. Right, 42 so... laps is about um, an hour and ten, I think, yeah, just over that. No, 30, I misheard uh, Ben in that
0: case because he said 42 yeah. laps rather than 42 minutes. Yeah, 42 okay, laps. It was, it, that's
1: so it fine. was a. It was, it basically, it, I think, it was a tank effectively yeah, yeah. Uh, of a GT3 car. So about 75, 70, 75 minutes. I uh, didn't quite note when he came in. So that was a. That was why. Um, you know the. Which is a longer run than the last uh runs which was only 36 laps the last stint by the lamborghini 39 laps by the ferrari number 11. um so yeah so it's a, it was a, it was a relatively average run but it does mean he's now dropping back and the mark Basseng and his waznick and tyler cook cars will go past and past on the timing sheets by set by a couple of laps thinking, oh, he's in terrible trouble but then, of course, it will even out together. of course, the important thing you have to make sure is you haven't got to do one of these stops just before the intervention. Those two laps will stay, those two laps.
0: Um, 42 laps is fine uh, because I'm looking back to earlier on in the race when Manuel Lauch, actually, sorry, Elliot Earhart in the same car did a 42-lap stint, and that was with two formation laps as well. Martin Lechman stretched his mileage in the 88 car collection motorsport car to 43 laps which I think to date is the longest stint time we have had. And that wasn't affected by any code 60 by that point either. So it is a a fair amount of laps uh, unaffected by caution. So 42, very good again from Pierre Caffer to switch over to his co-driver. And the 18 car... Will return to the race very shortly, still being fueled. That leaves us with the Leipzig Motorsport Lamborghini as the race leader now for Tyler Cook, who crosses the line after 117 laps. Dennis Vasek in the middle cap racing by Scuderia Praha Ferrari running in second, and Mark Baseng still producing better lap times than the two cars ahead of him, generally speaking, for the Higeli by T2 Racing Porsche running in third in those Day glow yellow colors. The Golfs getting close to one another again from Autorama Motorsport, and that is a fair fight for third and fourth positions between Konstantin Kletzer and Christoph Lentz. And Lentz in the number one car, no, Lentz in the 112 car, I think, just been overtaken by Kletzer to give him third yep. place in the TCE series race, Nick.
1: Yeah, there's been a swap there. The Autorama, the current, of course, preventive champion. Of, of all classes, while they carry the number one car. And um, they've now caught up and passed and moved forward. But these two kind of acting as a phalanx together, a squadron of water armors, uh, as they kind of hunt down the uh, ever-improving um, AC Motorsport car. The gap now is 47 seconds. It's it gone down to 44 seconds. That was a good lap. So it's 44 seconds between the two of them. Um, three quarters of a minute to make up. Where are they on strategy? On my pen across. They're all about the same. Uh, 42 minutes on this, Stefan for this session for Stefan Feininger and 38 minutes um, for Christoph Lentz. So they're all actually on phase with each other. That 45 seconds is a genuine lead at the moment.
0: And the engineer here in the background is the two-litre turbocharged power plant for car number one. With the 112 immediately behind, red bumpers I notice for car one, whereas it's all white for the 112. That'll be easy to uh, doesn't wait teleport. to stay. And the
1: 112 comes up the inside, the hairpin, a bit of a, a inter nissan battle here. It's not just uh... it's good, isn't it? <laughs> no team orders here, Nick. So 112 oh, no.
0: straight up the inside of turn six, and now it's a drag race towards the next sequence of corners at seven, eight, and nine with the Mercedes grandstand. Peering over this part of the racetrack. So it is the 112 car which has Christoph Lenz at the wheel, the Swiss driver versus Austrian Konstantin Kletzer. And they were allowed or they were happy to go side by side into the hairpin bend. And the places have switched around again for third position in the TCE race. Meanwhile, Mark Basseng in the 66 Porsche is heading towards turn two. With a relatively clear road
1: he's in front, tr- he's the fastest man on track at the moment. Yeah, um, the, the actual ultimate speed of the, the track is a little bit slower than it was in the in the opening stint when the tyres were fresh and the track was cool. But it's uh, the fastest, the most fastest recent lap is Mark Bassing, who is therefore condensing that track up by slowly gaining on Dennis Wozniak and, and even slower than Tyler Cooks. So just the top three now covered by 39 seconds, um, also 40. Just the 40 seconds. I'm saying 40 seconds. In the top three. Um, but don't forget that currently, uh, earlier, I in the Audi, which has just been vacated by Pierre Kaffer, that car, when everyone else stops, will sure, didn't there's been a problem during the next 25 minutes, cycle back to the lead again. So we do still have this concept. Will we make it? Four cars in the lead lap at the break. Nose to
0: tail, uh, heading through the Mobil 1 curve and on towards the Saks curve uh, was the 88 car collection Audi. I reckon on the back of. The BMW that runs in the TCE class. BMW from Team Munkov and Marco Poland, who's back at the wheel. And into the Zakskova itself now goes Mark Basenk. So 17 seconds and counting to the rear of Denis Vasek. Uh, But uh, significant chunks of time being taken out of that gap with every lap. Shane Lewis certainly won't be hanging around in the CP Racing Mercedes. He's in the 146s, so actually on that last lap around, he was slower than the three cars up ahead. The car is capable of a high 1 minute 41, but that lap time was probably set early on, before they hit traffic. Nikolai Elganayan in the writer engineering KTM, up as high as 5th place now, leading the GTX category. I seem to remember we had similar situation at circuit Paul ricard last time we were racing in the 24h series and a very strong showing from the writer engineering ktm it's um two different tails uh, out of their awning sadly with what looks more and more like the demise of the 725 car uh, but the 724 having a very strong run indeed in the opening few hours two and three quarter hours still to go this evening I just wonder whether the sky's looking slightly more threatening now, Nick. We had heavy rain overnight, certainly no dark clouds, but the the bright sunshine that was around the racetrack at the start at half past one today has gone, and there is always yeah. the threat of a bit of a rain shower passing through here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good point, because we, we did see the sun, and we saw the cars basking, we even saw the little reflections off the, uh, the light bars, and the, the light. it was lovely, but uh, you know, even so, through it all, Ben's kept his coat on, so we know it's not that warm. Uh, and now, of course, you know, over in in Germany, it's what quarter past five, so the uh, the early evening is drawing in. Sun's gone out. It's going to start getting chilly, which is going to be uh, good for the turbo engines and not quite so good for the tyres. But we may see some quick times. You then get the heat in the uh, in the rubber stuff. So obviously, the air gets thicker. You get more power from your turbocharged car.
0: Race schedule to finish at eight o'clock, but the sunset won't be until about quarter past nine. So it'll still be daylight, although the sun will be edging towards the horizon by that point.
1: Which is as well, really, because the 989 nine hasn't got one headlamp anymore, so they'll well, be yeah. back on the track. They'll be great it's for that, certainly. Sort of, it's got an eye patch, it's a pirate car.
0: Cyclops. <laughs> no, you're actually, yeah, pirate is better. Or Gabrielle. There's yes. a reference from the 90s. Dreams do come true. <laughs> Uh, some overtaking happening towards the end of the lap. Oh, well, Elliot a little bit wide there. Was that the P? Uh, vo- he was
1: avoiding the KTM coming into pits. Yeah, there was kind of like a fuffle. Um, and then they yeah. decided to go a little bit wide and lose half a second rather than getting any danger of a, of a, a carbon fiber to carbon fiber interface. But this is interesting because Nikolai uh, uh, Hayen, now the writer engineering car leading out of SP as so a GTX, should probably drop behind Luke Brokers now because he has uh, got to do a full serve, which we know is about four minutes, uh, which is two and a half laps, and Luke's only two laps behind, so, uh, or three minutes behind, the lesson check line. So Luke Boyk is in the 999 car, uh, will leap to the lead.
0: There's not a lot of grip out there on the drag strip, uh, particularly in the rain. Didn't we have a Grand Prix where a number of cars yes. ended up in the wall uh, by going far too wide out there? Nico Hogan
1: loses chance of, a, uh, of a, a podium. Lewis Hamilton yes. had an accident, and a fuffle. Valtteri Bottas spun it and crashed it and it didn't make a blind bit of difference because Lewis won the world championship, you know. <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: but it was an interesting <laughs> so there are, there race. There a lot of rain. Hockenheim has a lot of rain. Mm. A, lot of ra- a lot of wet races.
0: And not a lot of traction out there because, uh, well, of all sorts of no. rubber and oil that is laid down at the drag strip start
1: there. Used, uh, used at various points was- through the course of the year. I'm saying to John, the remarkable thing is, I, you always think this is the new Hockenheim, this is the new place, but it, it's not new. It's been here for 18, 19 years now. Mm. since they got rid of the uh, run into the uh, uh, into the fields and the, uh, in way up in the distance. But interestingly, of course, you know, it has had a lot of wet races um, and wet and dry races. Um, Tim's reminded us that Marcus Winklehock, a man who, of course, has taken pole position in the Preventic Series, led his well and only race for Midland during, uh, by not going in during the shower uh, back in... 2007 I think it was and of course um, on the old Hockenheim um, one of the craziest races ever Ruben Kelly won his first ever uh, Grand Prix uh, in a wet dry mix up race that also included a disgruntled um, Mercedes employee running on the track yes the sign saying don't fire me now I'm going to ask you a question okay where was the other crazy man with the sign invader when did that happen there have been two of them in F1 um, you
0: talk talking about Silverstone Yes, it the crazy him, the priest. mad monk, or the,
1: yes, the mad, the crazy priest on you know, the Hangar Straight. The, yeah, he was anti-protein, wasn't he? He wasn't protein making. He was all too randy, no. so he decided yeah. he to run over by a Formula One car.
0: That's right. Yeah, decided to hop and skip down the uh, the wrong way mm. down the Hangar Straight. I can't remember the year, though.
1: I'm afraid. No, um, I think it was I think it was 2003, but I I, was wouldn't, really? I wouldn't I wouldn't get my house on that one.
0: Which
1: mm. is a rusty brain, as we found out. It was certainly <laughs> old, it was certainly old Silverstone pre pre the loop, well before that. Oh yeah, yeah. Look nice. at this, but you, you kind of now accept the Arrowhead as being Silverstone, but that design of Silverstone is, is like seven or eight years newer than this design of the new Hockenheim. It's still called the new Hockenheim. Yeah. Whereas we just call Silverstone Silverstone.
0: That's right. Yeah. There's no new. How, great, new how to the brain it. works. Mm. Well, the short track here is still the same as it ever was, and there was always the option to run the short track rather than head out into the country to the... Uh... Is
1: it? Haven't they changed the... Oh, no, you're right. No, they, they cut across, don't they? They cut across the side, yeah. Yeah, cut you, cut you turn right, seven, right
0: before eight, turn two, don't you? And uh, mm. it's probably half the length of, of the current circuit now. Oh,
1: yeah. But that, they, they, they use that for... Don't they use that for one of the two DTM races? They use the short track. Is that is that, is that been superseded? Uh, possibly. Much in the way that, you know, British Touring Cars used, uses the Indy circuit and the Grand Prix circuit. I that feel hatch, that they, yeah. they have used that short circuit here at Hockenheim for uh, DTM on a couple of occasions.
0: No, it's, it's, it's certainly been used, but I, I just remember the seasons when uh, Hockenheim would bookend a DTM season. I always thought it was run generally on the, on the uh, Grand Prix circuit on both occasions, but it gives you the option to make it different, certainly. Um, and DTM races were run on the full-length Grand Prix circuit as well, mm-hmm. 80s and 90s. And 70s. Uh, Treble 9 heading out of the Turn 6 hairpin is still Luke Broikers at the wheel of this 992 Gen Porsche 911 GT3 cup car. The issue with the peeling back bodywork, or the bonnet just the air getting underneath it, has been solved by that tape. So we're solving it. Very strong adhesive there. I didn't have full faith in in it working or certainly not lasting this far. Never never knock the duct tape. Uh, well, it's it's fine for certain bits, but you know when you've yeah, got yeah. air rippling underneath, it's amazing how much uh, power that. That's oh in. But, yeah, yeah,
1: because you know, it just
0: gets into every single little mm. crevice and will start to even peel away, uh, peel away the strongest of duct tape. But every testament to whatever brand of that they are using might be duct, might be something else, um, and uh, <laughs> it, it's been solved, it would seem, and they can. Well, actually, they can't address that overnight because the cars will be in park and There's very little you can I, do to the cars when you I get to 80 I guarantee it will be tonight.
1: the from the middle at Lidl version I bought, which had the, the <laughs> adhesive qualities of me spitting on a piece of paper. And it, okay. I don't know what had gone wrong. It hardly stuck to itself as a roll. Oh, dear. Um, it was only a um, pound, though.
0: Ben Constenduras, uh, I'm desperate for you to change the subject here from uh, various <laughs> grades of adhesive tape. So what have so you a got? a lot more of that to come. <laughs> what have you got, Ben?
3: TTM DTM used to run both layouts, uh, Susie Stoddard got her, as she was then uh, got her best ever result on the shortened layout because, um, the bottom, the shortened layout on its first year had a very different title, just a little short there was a huge accident with taking out about five cars, and basically there wasn't enough cars uh, to finish in the points, and so Susie got her best of a finish, and got some points um, I, I have husband hazard guess as to to be connected. Um, but there is also a national track, uh, which I don't know whether they even really use it anymore, but it's certainly featured on various computer games back in the day. Uh, and you basically go through turn one, and even before you get to turn two, you turn half right and you then run along the back of the paddle uh, on a completely separate piece of road uh, to the long sweeping left hand that takes you out of the forest. Um, that is officially the national track here at Hockenheim which uh, I think is only used for uh, national races, only really suits small cars and does feature on a computer game but I can't remember which one What did I play? Well yeah because there are are sort of two
0: versions of the short track, actually the one you were just talking about, the national track is the one I was thinking of and I think that's the one that's used for the trucks when Uh they come here but there is also a way of cutting short or cutting out the hairpin on the track, like I've got it in front of me here. So rather than arc your way all the way through the parabolic, about halfway round turn five, you then edge right and into two 90 degree right-handers, and that feeds you back onto the track just after turn seven on the full circuit and in time for the Mercedes left-hander. So I'm counting at least three different ways to get round here.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure Ben's played it, but they're, they're definitely all modelled on the I-Racing the iRacing Ring. Um, track which was released about uh, 10 weeks ago so that is uh, they are modelled on that one because I was confused once I just jumped into a race and suddenly all the cars turned right and I wasn't expecting it (laughs) because it wasn't the full track
0: yes about halfway between turn one and two. Yeah,
1: if you're not prepared and, for but that, it would not, not, not the dumbest thing I've done in racing, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of variations on, on the circuit. But uh, yeah, there is a kind of feeling that it, it, it was a very short-sighted thing to actually tear up the old track. Mm. They could have still used that for other things. Because you know, I think it's, it's not really, uh, most tracks end up being built on, but it's not even being built on, it's just being, rec- being reclaimed by the forest, isn't it? It's not, you know, it's not even, it's like a housing set up on top of the the, uh, the old circuit.
0: But was it considered just too dangerous, too high speed for the advances that would
1: be made in F1 at the time? Uh, I think there was a, a rec- there were some local noise issues, but the main reason for it was, is they just thought the cars weren't coming around often enough. A good point. Yeah, um, when you pay your ticket f- and sit in the it, main it grandstand. 40, yeah. it, it was a 40 or 42 lap race, and they just wanted to condense the race up a bit more. Mm. Yeah, and I think a large circuit that's very quick takes more marshals, has more issues. Um, yeah, it was, I, I think it was, it was an F1... Inspired decision until we redesigned it. Um, whether it was the right decision, we can debate endlessly. But it did. The old circuit was um, was impressive. And I remember things like, yeah, you know, I remember some very good races there, and I was. There. Ben's got another question on this topic.
3: Is the uh, is the length much different between the original layout, let's say, and the layout we have now? Because I kind of feel as though wouldn't be that much different and it would be faster and therefore actually
1: these days cars would probably enter the mercedes arena about the same frequency as they would do if they were on the oh, other that's route. a very good point but it was a, a long track it's about four, it was about 4.4 miles um so what's that seven uh, clicks yeah 6.8 kilometers the old track and, and this one we're is running 4.5 so now. whilst they probably do come round. At the same frequency they'll come around more often for a 310 kilometer limited f1 race yeah also i think again i think i think there was it was the functionality being easier to manage um also cheaper because you're only looking after a smaller square foot of square meterage of actual track surface uh, you know of, of of a stadium surface i think that was, it was it was a financially driven decision um sold as a let's make the racing more come past you more often concept um yeah i think we probably would agree you know in an ideal world it wouldn't happen
0: but i can understand the reasons at the end of the day um because mm. you know we're looking to attract uh, fans and the crowd which seems but uh, you uh, know and
1: and this was a, and i think also as part of the redesign for example you picked up the mercedes arena element which is, which is called, that's a that's mercedes mercedes 789 complex which is to put another massive grandstand up. and don't forget this was done at the height Michael Schumacher's powers. Yes. When he went, when there were two races in Germany, and they were pulling in capacity audiences to both of them. So the uh, the concept of getting a lovely twenty thousand seat stadium in there, um, a, a stadium grandstand, was probably very attractive because of course you know they, they kind of were, no one we really wants to have a, a grandstand on the side of a track when the cars doing two hundred and ten miles now they're coming towards me on a five corner complex. Yes, I'll pay for that. Thank you very much. Yeah, with, So that with, was the other reason. With another they, overtaking they also,
0: opportunity as well. Yeah,
1: and they increase the capacity at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, I think we can we, we can say that it, yeah, you can see the why it was done. Um, but obviously, you know, again, we, we, we tend to be a bit too purist in this thing. I think it's made the track viable. Um, and, and given how they struggled, even with this less expensive to run layout, over the last few years. Um, thankfully, it, it probably means it's still here.
0: The race leader has just made a stop, so that means that the Leiput Motorsport Lamborghini is no longer in front. Tyler Cook brought the car in, and um, wasn't closely watching the stop to see whether they got Tyler out of that machine, but what is happening now as the car's being fueled is that it's dropped at least a third position with De- Dennis Vasek becoming the race leader again for middle-cap racing with Scuderia Praha. Higeli by T2 Racings Porsche, Mark Bassang up to second place. And how far away is Shane Lewis? A couple of minutes further down the road. Maybe a bit closer actually because that's all time from when Tyler Cook entered the pit lane. So again, you know, the, the cars are close enough on the lead lap to cycle through and change positions fairly significantly. Lead margin for the Czech driver with the Czech team, Dennis Vasek, is 17 and a half seconds over Mark Basseng, who is still lapping more quickly than the lead car. Last time around, found about a second on Dennis Vasek. You tune to RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. It is Nick Damon and Johnny Palmer looking after things, and Ben Concenturis in the pit lane.